1: For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you, and the truth that is rooted
0: within me. Hi, and welcome to MindShifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is, I'm not in front of my computer. What is today? Today is Wednesday, December the 9th. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We've lost track of time. Anyway, um, we welcome you to the show. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And it is the night. (laughs) Welcome, Michael.
2: Thank you, dear heart. And uh, excuse my noisy uh, picking up of the headset. She uh, has some computer challenges, and uh, so she had to use my phone to do that introduction. And uh, we're honored that you're here. We're blessed that you're here. We're settled in Florida. Actually, we finished uh, editing another video last night. We actually had a couple of friends drop by to say hello. Someone who was at Heartland back in 1993 uh, actually did the food at Heartland way back then and just uh, uh, happened to find out that she lives four, uh, four miles down the road from where we're staying and she and a, another friend who's a raw food chef came by to visit and, they're out there watching the video that we edited last night as I'm in here doing the show, and Jeannie's kind of in the middle with her computer uh, giving her some challenges. So so we're, we're just honored, delighted, and the work that we're here to do is the work of forgiveness. The primary core tool that we offer in this show, and we want to support you in understanding, and Jimmy just uh, looked at the archives of the uh, radio show to tell me that there are, I believe, if I have the number correct, now 1,268 hours of archives. You know, if this conversation is meaningful to you, uh, by the time you finish the 1,268 hours, we'll probably have another couple of hundred hours uh, completed. We're heading into our fifth year in January, uh, or pardon me, our sixth year of doing this show, and uh, we're honored that you're here to be part of it. If you go to our website, www.whyagain.org, and you click on the radio show uh, link, that will take you to archives, and you can go back and listen to your heart's content about just so much intense, powerful conversation about this process of forgiveness and of healing. And so we would welcome you to do that. And uh, our conversation is going to be a pickup from Monday on communication Uh, Did you hear what I think I said workshop and the responsibility communication tool? Uh, That hour went by so quickly that I uh, looked at my clock and all of a sudden the show was over and I had just gotten through the uh, the worksheet. If you want to pick up that uh, uh, communication worksheet, you can go to the website and in the middle of the page, although she's doing some work on the site and it's kind of playing tricks with her, but somewhere on the page there's a uh, red and white bullseye. If you click on that, it will open a series of links, and uh, if you open that first link when you click on the bullseye and you look down the list, you'll see uh, a uh, worksheet that says responsibility communication. It will give you the steps that I went over on Friday. And so we're going to enter into that conversation, and Magda, uh busy lady that she is, uh, called, and she said that she was going to, uh, she had some errands to do, so she has some thoughts to share with us and the reason why I particularly asked Magda is because she's been one of the most committed people at using the responsibility communication tool to the point where I'm not sure she could tell us for sure, but it might be her favorite tool of all the tools that she teaches that we teach and that she gets to use. So Magda, welcome. We're we're delighted that we finally caught up on uh on your conversation about uh responsibility communication.
0: Yes, indeed. I am too. It took us a while. Um, so good day to everyone there. Um is it my favorite tool? It's one of my favorites and even though I've used it, it's still one of the most dreaded for me. Um sounds like I have some Interesting. work that yeah. Well, um it, it takes I I'm I think it takes all of us who have not been schooled in expressing ourselves in a responsible way. It takes all of us such a great long time to learn how to be responsible, to think about being responsible for everything that happens in our lives, to learn how to to verbalize it and language it in a way that that responsibility shows and can be conveyed to the other person. So, um, so any dread that I have that comes up is about, will I be able to do this? And what that means to me is it takes practice, 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 practice. Your three Ps, I know you always say the three Ps are really important. Right. And it's so so important with this tool. Um, and um, I remember, as a matter of fact, uh, what was it, not this last summer, but the summer before when you had that marvelous combined um Uh, intensive, I think it was healing through relationships. Mm -hmm. Codependence to interdependence and responsibility communication. And I have spoken to people who were at that intensive and they loved watching other people do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they really enjoyed it and they got a lot out of it. And those same people don't use the tool themselves. There's a fear factor. Well, it's a
2: process. Pardon? It's, it's, it's It's definitely a process to get to where, you know, so many of us have experienced being so intensely battered and abused physically, mentally, and emotionally for being what we consider to be wrong that I think when you start to confront what's on the inside and what needs to be communicated about is those dynamics and that experience of being wrong yes. and having to face that and face the pain of it is where that trepidation comes from. And you'll notice, as with that codependence uh, the interdependence communication practice we did at Heartland a couple of years ago, that... The beauty of it is that once it opens, I mean, think of everybody that was up there and the trauma that they faced, but then on the other side of it, it was laughter, it was sweetness, it was mm-hmm. amazing, and that's, that to me is the, uh, the power of that tool. And, of course, that is the intensive that we're going to do starting February 1st here in Florida. It's going to be a nine-day and or, as that one was that summer, it was a 16-day. We're actually there'll be two levels of participation. There'll be some people will just be there for the nine day who've got, you know, restrictions in their time off and that sort of thing. And then that will extend out to a sixteen day. So it's gonna be the uh, codependence interdependence communication practicum that we'll do It's
3: uh, it is. It,
2: it was uh, that was just the most amazing thing to observe on a practical level when that opens, isn't it? It's just it's awesome. Yes.
0: And I would urge anyone who can get there, whether they're from the frozen North Tundra or from Florida or wherever. <laughs> but that would just be a marvelous uh, intensive to attend. Um and, and I will also um, make a recommendation. I don't know if it can fit into your schedule. Uh, I think that it would be so desirable if each person who's in the intensive could have a little mini practice each and every day with one other person, you know how you teach people to do the love exchange, I, and, right. and then do that love exchange every day with somebody or three somebody. I think it would be marvelous if each person could have just a short little um, interaction with someone else doing uh, responsibility communication about really, you know, made up kinds of things. Not, not, and of course, things will come up in the class as you know that. Can be handled with responsibility committees, and, and you know we did it in surrogate form. We did it um, with people who were in the class pairing up with each other. And anyway, the more practice, the better. And what what a great place to do it where they can then come back and ask questions about oh, it didn't go so well with us. Can you know can I get some help with this? That's my recommendation. <laughs> right, um, right.
2: And, of course, yeah. that's the assignment. You know, at the end of the um, communication, I think I said video, uh, we offered that assignment. Take this and and practice. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is because, you know, here's an example of how many have ever had an office that you say rearranged and the garbage can that, you know, used for for 10 years sat over on the left side or, or whatever length of time you've been in the office is now over on the right side of the uh, uh, desk. How many times did you wad up the piece of paper and throw it over to that garbage can that isn't there anymore? <laughs> you know, we've all done that. The mind is a habit uh-huh. device, and when, and when you uh-huh. start to recognize that, virtually no one in in all the years I've been asking a question, you know, Jeannie and I do the a demonstration at the front of the room of matching bags of garbage. And uh, we demonstrate projection communication. You know, you made me mad. No, you made me sad. And you hurt me. And then do the responsibility communication. Gee, you know, when you said this and so, that brought a lot of sadness up for me and hurt. And what I'd like to do is heal my sadness and hurt. And then I will, you know, we complete that demonstration. And then I'll turn to the audience and say, now let me see, how many here were brought up with the mom who, when dad was out getting drunk and dinner was burned and ruined and had to throw it away, and he came home, said, you know, dear husband, when you go and get drunk and dinner is ruined, that brings up a lot of rage for me. And what I'd like to do is heal my rage. Would you support me? Everybody laughs because nobody's ever seen it. And then I ask how many were brought up with the dad or how many had the school teacher, or the minister or the priest or the rabbi or... You know, it's like it's never been seen. So the garbage can has not only been in the left-hand side of the desk for 10 years, it's been there for generations. Right. So the default setting of the mind is to go back to you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid, you hurt me. And so what one is opening up when they actually communicate responsibly is because words give our minds permission to show us reality, when I shift those words, I drop into that hidden part of the mind. You know, it's interesting. In all the years I've been asking that question, how many were ever brought up with that mom? I've never had anybody put their hand up. Twice when I've asked the question, how many were brought up with the dad who did that? I've had somebody raise their hand. Once was on a, a boat in, uh we were actually on a yacht doing the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop in Biscayne Bay in Florida. There was a young man who said, my dad did that. This young man was 23. His father had studied with me 25 years earlier. (laughs) Two years ago, we were out in Portland, Oregon, and there was a young lady there who, when she was eight years of age, came to Heartland with her dad. She'd been estranged from father since her parents' divorce when she was very small, and their reunion was coming and spending the summer at Heartland and doing this work where she was introduced to it, and he continued in his process. We were out in, in Portland, and this was 22 years ago they were there, and I asked that question not realizing that I was going to get a response from her, and she put her hand up and said, my dad did that with me. And she <laughs> shared, and it was like, you know, I just, I, every time I think of that, it stirs much emotion for me, sweet, you know, appreciation-type emotion uh, and tears of, you know, here's a young lady who one of the things she shared is, well, at that summer... You know, my mom had always blamed me for the fact that my dad left and and her life was so sad and she said I was eight years of age, and I learned that I wasn't responsible for my mother's sadness and was able mm. to let that go and she's now a healer she Shared that you know she learned what healing was, and she's a physician, and you know, and uh, she's still out in Portland shares a uh, property with her dad, where she has her practice and he has his practice, and you know, it's just awesome to see that kind of impact for when people will take the tools, practice and use them. But it is a, a challenging tool, and perhaps one of the most powerful uh, next to the uh, wake wake up sheet that that we've got in the arsenal. But it does take practice to to shift where you throw the paper. to garbage can.
0: Yeah. And and if we don't practice, if we just learn the tool and grab the sheet and sit down when we have a big issue up, it is so very, very easy because of all the generations of doing it in the blaming fashion. Um, It's so easy to slip into using it as a weapon against the other person, uh, a way to sneak in blaming them, even though we may start out thinking, well, I really want to get support, and then there's a, there's something that the mind does in the in-between. And I know that because I've done it, and I've done it, and I've done it. And so it takes a lot of practice to um, to be able to fully take responsibility for our lives, our realities, and and then to... Able to verbalize that in a responsible way. Yeah, but it's a great tool for support. Um,
2: probably. And, and
0: I think go ahead.
2: I was going to say probably, in terms of the awareness that that's possible and the actual practice of it. Mm-hmm. You and the people in our audience are a few of perhaps a couple of hundred people on the planet that are aware it's even possible ever, a couple of hundred people, ever aware that it's even possible. So it it takes breaking through generations and generations of habitual blame, projection, and conversation yeah. about how somebody else made me mad, sad, afraid, or, or or even when I say you made me happy. It's the same thing. That's projection communication. Thank you for triggering my happiness, but I realize that happiness comes from within me. Thank you for triggering my rage because I realize my rage comes from within me. And if I don't like my rage, you know, my happiness, I can own and say, hey, this is cool. But if I don't like my rage, once I can start to own it and responsibly communicate about it, I can then start to access the roots of it and remove it and be freed of that disease. And to me, that's worth Mm -hmm. all the effort that it takes to use the tools.
0: Mhm exactly exactly well as a tool of support i think it's just marvelous I, I i was trying to think um a little while ago about what other tools you have that actually involve more than ourselves like doing the wake up sheet that's usually uh, an independent um exercise although if we're in a support group then we do we can elicit and do have the support in, uh, of other people in the group holding love conscious, active, and present. So, that, yeah, that's another um, support uh, kind of tool. And still point breathing, uh, where we can have another person just holding the space of love for us and or um, uh, manipulating some pressure points and so forth to open up the energy. So that's another support tool. Um but what I realized recently, and I'd like to share, and I did share with you know, a long time ago—it seems like a month or something—is uh, that right. I just, yeah, I just realized after talking with several people about the responsibility communication, and these are people who are are not new to your work. They're very, very much involved in doing your work and even teaching it, and. Uh, And yet the tool of responsibility communication is one that is not used. And after chit-chatting for a while about that, I realized the reason, I think, a major reason why people choose not to use it or shy away from it is because it is a tremendous tool of intimacy into me, see, allowing someone else to see that in ourselves which we really are not happy about seeing and sharing that with someone else in a responsible way. What I heard from other folks, and I have felt this myself, so it rang some bells, um, there's a sense of vulnerability. Well, if I tell you this, you may hold that against me and use it sometime in the future um, if we're having a problem, you may throw this up to me. Or or the other thing I heard was, well, you may stop liking me if you know this about me. Or you may stop loving me. You may withdraw. Um, and, of course, all those things are true. And if they happen, that is the other person's work to do. So <laughs> that's a, a ability. It isn't our responsibility to keep that from happening. It is our responsibility to seek support. And so I think as a a tool of intimacy, it is just amazing because all of those things that people express being afraid of, you know, the threat, the vulnerability, um, it works actually quite the opposite. And you referred to this before. Uh, When when we we share at that deep of a level, it brings the two people who are friends or or um, a married couple or whatever it brings them closer much much closer together and I think the reason for that is because we are sharing heart to heart, my true essence, which is love, sharing with your true essence, which is love and that's that's dynamite. That's just wonderful. So, as a tool of intimacy, I that I have a whole new outlook. And and when when I have used it successfully, which has been more lately after practicing, uh, Chuck and I really find that it improves our relationship and brings us so much more mm, understanding of each other, more compassion, as well as support. And it's just tremendous. So that's what I wanted to share with everybody.
2: That's awesome. You know, I think you hit the nail right on the head, uh, uh, with that whole conversation and in, in the work I've done with people over the last 45, 50 years, I would say that it's virtually universal that people hold at some time in their lives, if they knew this about me, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. They'd reject
1: me.
2: And facing that level of rejection, you know, and and, and recognizing that we're facing a level of rejection of perhaps a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a seven-year-old that, you know, has a very limited knowledge of the world and arrives at conclusions that, while not accurate, are extremely impactful for one's whole life. And so, touching back into that level of terror and trauma of of rejection because, you know, ultimately rejection means death. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a survival issue. When a child is that size and it's, it's the parent, if my parent rejects me, I die because I can't live in the world on my own. I can't feed myself. I can't clothe myself. I can't house myself. And, and that's the depth. That uh, that that belief goes, even though it's the misperception of you know maybe a four or five year old, and right. it's you know it's, it's, and, and a power person that that isn't functioning as love that's maybe lost in their sadness or grief or rage, turning their energy on the child, and the child having that energy genetically implanted in them because it's usually a parent, and then having that. Uh, energy environmentally thrown at them. And, you know, I've had people who said, well, you know, oh, my my father was pretty cool. He only raged three times a year. Like, mm-hmm. he only threatened my survival three times a year. Uh, it's like the intensity of going into that. And, you know, it isn't, it isn't even necessary to share in words in the, in the responsibility communication, intimate secret type things. It's just accessing that depth of, misinterpreted and misunderstood energy perceived still even by the adult mind is still perceived or, or transferred to awareness as life-threatening It's, i mean it's huge to, to start to deal with those things is is monumental
0: it is it truly is you have got your finger on that button yeah and through doing it and realizing that oh I came out of that on the other side, uh, and I'm still alive, and loved, and cared for, and supported. Wow, that starts to retrain the the brain cells, and exactly. it's really tremendous. Yeah, it's tremendous.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, then and just this great.
2: morning, we were processing we were processing with this uh, this young lady, and she's going through a custody thing with her uh, with her former, and you know, is talking about how you know she thought he was going to be trustworthy and how untrustworthy he was, and her pain about that. And you know, it was a certain level of it was obvious there was trauma there. But then, when I and I, you know, you've heard me do it before. I'll just do this. Well, uh, let me take this crazy offhanded guess because, of <laughs> course, I'm not really guessing. I'm just watching when the stress is up, what behavior happens. How did it right. feel for you? when your power person wasn't trustworthy. And it was just, you know, it was obvious it was pain in this adult relationship and uh, custody issue and thinking that her former was going to have integrity and there wasn't integrity or at least not perceived integrity. And then to just watch the collapse into the the child who had that integrity issue with their power person. And these mm-hmm. are the things that ultimately... You know, through responsibility communication, through forgiveness, through breathing, through the codependence worksheet, through all of the tools need to be accessed and surfaced. And and when they're accessed directly as the four-year-old, seven-year-old experienced it, then we're in and express out of a four-year-old or a seven-year-old's mind. And of course, what's the average four-year-old and seven-year-old doing? But blaming somebody for what they're feeling.
0: Exactly. So the turnaround's right. huge. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's magnificent. So, cool. ah, so I'm I'm glad I got to share that, and I have a feeling there might be some other people who want to call in and and to chat with you. So I'm complete. If, cool. If, if you know. All okay. right. Well, okay. thank you
2: for your input. We appreciate you a lot.
0: Hey right back at you and Jeannie and Dr. Kim and everybody out there. Blessings, blessings to all of you, all of us.
2: All right, Gerard. Thanks. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I specifically invited Magda to share because she has shared over the years when she spent time on the support team in Heartland. I think that was one of the most tools she used the most and saw huge changes happening. So I wanted to get her experience because, of course, experience is powerful when it comes especially to that tool. And uh, I think that creates a great introduction for the communication process. And so, Jeannie, let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see how that young man is doing today, how support group went and what's exciting.
3: Well, I'm doing very well, thank you. I um As you just mentioned, had a support group last night, Tuesday, and I'm putting the finishing touches on editing yesterday's show, so that Jeannie can add that to the the queue on your website. It's already on my website under audio files and uh, And last Friday's show. Oh, they don't need they don't need it, but C H. The number four cs dot com, but but the they place to They want to access get it your it blog. Is. They need it. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. And somebody was yeah. somebody was telling me last night I need to put another blog entry up because I read something that came to me in the middle of the night on Monday night, and they said, "Are you going to blog about that?" Well, I guess I should. So I'll make time to do that later. Anyway, all right. The idea of um, the group last night was to. Uh, do the third talk in a series by Guy Finley and look at the overlap. And what's coming through wisdom schools that have been on the planet forever is the same message. You know, what's true is true in every format. And if people talk about it from a different perspective, using different language, but they're describing the same thing, if I hold in my mind the willingness To hear and and look for the similarities, I find I get deeper understanding of what I already know and expanding into what I never realized about what I thought I knew and things I never knew existed. And that's what we were going through for the last three weeks as we listened to Guy Finley talk and then it created uh, or stimulated some very powerful conversations and questions and we had a new person in the group it was only his second week there and i began talking about how i'd been in a training friday saturday and sunday and people were using the word you got to believe you got to believe you have to have this belief in what you're doing and you got to believe and focus and with me that always resonates that i find it far more beneficial to observe And to question every one of my beliefs, so-called beliefs, and to be in the mode of observing because that allows me to learn. And so when I discussed that in the group, this one gentleman said, okay, so, you know, that's not right because to do anything you have to have belief, and so he got into this philosophical what-if and how would you even know that that's wrong unless you already did it or et cetera. And I use the question that I use frequently on the Internet show here and often in the group, and I say, now in this group what we're doing is discussing practical tools for changing and improving the quality of my life, relationships, and health. So If God were here and she could tell us in this moment the absolute true answer to your question, how would that make a practical difference in your life? And if you can come up with something that's going to make a practical difference in how you act on this knowledge today, tomorrow, and the next day, I'll be happy to explore with you some options that you can test out about what the true answer might be. And he said, well, I don't think it would make any difference. And I said, okay, then then that's not really what we're here about. We're here to discuss. If I do this, does it make my life better? If I do this, does it keep me stuck in a rut? And what can I learn in terms of tools and perspectives and approaches to how I'm living my life and the choices I'm making that will put me in a better position to be more loving, more compassionate, more joyful, more energetic, more accepting, more appreciative. And that's where the discussion went last night, and so many people had so many good comments and questions, either trying to help this person see or question from their perspective, that we didn't even get a worksheet, and we handed them out, and then somebody said, yeah, but one more question. And so it occasionally happens in our group that we have a session where nobody gets to do a worksheet, and yet when that happens, it's always because the discussion and the questions were so rich and or people were sharing testimonials about how the application of the tools is currently changing their life for the better. And we talked some about one of the comments you made on Monday where the use of the tools has improved your ability to integrate what's happening in your life so that the healing crises that used to come years ago and last for weeks or months might be every bit as intense or even more intense now and they last for you know minutes or hours rather than weeks or months so that was our group last night and that's what i have to share that and a huge awesome. ditto for 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 you and, and Magda. I felt like I didn't have to <clears throat> to add anything. I could have given exactly the same presentation on the intimacy issue and the fear of of things that are very very real because I stored them in my mind and body when I was a a wee a wee tot. And, yep. uh so, so I agree with all of it.
2: And it's interesting how powerfully those beliefs of the we taught can run an adult's life right, you know, I don't care if you're talking, you're staying in front of the President of the United States, if he hasn't resolved those issues when they're triggered, his life's being run by them. No matter who it is, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, you know, we're all the same. Those dynamics are there and you know, status in the society, you know, amount of money in the bank, how many tens of thousands of square feet somebody's home is, does not speak of whether they've resolved the insane dynamics of their power person issues or their generational dynamics. And so it's, uh, it's powerful when people start to tap in and do their work. Definitely powerful. So let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room.
0: Hi there. Uh, Yes, actually, we have a hand up, and I believe that it might be Michelle 248, you're on the air. Hello, everybody.
2: Hi there, young lady. Welcome. Good to hear your voice.
1: Thanks. So I um, also enjoyed your discussion with Magda about the Responsibility Communication Tool, and um, I guess I have some comments and questions about that. Excuse me. So, it relates to using this tool with people who are not familiar with the concepts related to forgiveness work, projection, perception, responsibility for my experience and what I do to create it. So, therefore, when I've used it, um, I, let's say personally, um, I was at the... Summer session that Magda referred to, and it was very powerful. And I and I came um, back, like you said, through the other side of having gone through that um, horrific self loathsome feelings in front of a group, and then and then with their support and love and the coaching with you, Michael, and being able to transcend it and then come through on the other side, uh, more connected to the person and and. Mm, more access to the love that's naturally there. So that's all good. So I came back inspired, and I'm going to use this tool, and I'm going to, like, rock my world. And, you know, one of my first opportunities for upset after having been gone for a while was that um, when I came home, my husband, we have a blended family, was um, paying attention to his daughter for what I thought was too long because I wasn't getting my attention. And all my stuff was getting triggered and um, was quite aware of it and knowing that um, maybe there was an opportunity here to heal some of that with his help. So I started well on the steps, you know, um, got in a space of love and prepared, you know, kind of the script. I actually had it with me so that I would make sure I was hitting the point accurately as I practiced. And so we agreed on the... Um, objective observation and then when we got to the um, subjective part although I had stated it from an "I" and I'm taking responsibility this is my feeling kind of thing interestingly enough what landed for him was why are you always blaming me for your abandonment issue and you know it sort of rattled me because it wasn't quite working the way the script said it should and so I um, took a deep breath and resumed and regained and uh, restated, emphasizing my healing, my pain, my hurt, and I'm moaning it. You know, this is, you know, when I'm asking you're helping. So he um, was agreeable. I mean, I almost felt like he was kind of suspicious, like, what's happening here? So when I got to the part about asking for his ideas, He's like, get over yourself. And um, I was thinking, well, this isn't really so much how it feels I would experience with him holding a space of love. Like, I'm just supposed to get over it. And, again, took more deep breaths and um, proceeded with kind of my ideas and shared some of the things that I'd learned over the summer in terms of what I could do to um, let go and and allow that. Pain of abandonment to um, at least recede, and uh, so we continued on the script. And um, when I shared him with him some of my ideas, it triggered him. It, it triggered him some thoughts that he had previously withheld from me about his own abandonment issues, ironically, and and some some of the feelings that it was creating in him. And all of a sudden the the conversation shifted and and we were talking about something he had not even verbalized for himself, something he was just coming to realise, some insights that like in that moment of our conversation, um, that were re- very sensitive and very vulnerable and um you know, very private. Even to himself, I don't think he was completely honest and so that it was kind of a revelation for both of us in the same moment. Needless to say, the oh, conversation took a turn and I, um, you know, I thought, ooh, my little abandonment issues are nothing compared to what's going on with him right now. Like, wow. And so, it, it you know, eventually it was successful. Um, maybe that's not the greatest example in in the sense that my question becomes when I'm explaining this tool to couples and, and helping them to begin working on healing, mutually healing their, their relationship dynamics and their matching values of garbage, et cetera, that um when it comes to the part about where do you have any ideas, if if the people aren't really equipped with understanding the complete forgiveness package, so to say, then they they don't even know what that question means, let alone, how can I help you to answer it? Even though they're maybe doing their job of holding the space the love and, you know, being um, open to receive, you know, the person's message about what they're trying to heal, but then it's like ideas. I don't, I don't know. I get lost on that. So, I... I um, my question really is then how do you coach people on that aspect of it when maybe they're not fully aware of all the other parts
2: or is, is it not gonna work? Well, here's here's my take. Is the tool works hundred percent of the time when you work the tool properly. And you know, in, in your earlier the earlier part of your conversation you say, well this isn't working. It's like, yeah, it works, but the mind is so tricky in how it can turn things around. The uh the thing and, and we'll get to the second question, but the, the first part I'd like to address, the thing that that brought us to doing this in this show is someone had sent me a uh communication, a written responsibility communication that they sent to their partner. And it's 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 interesting how subtly the mind can turn things. So what I'd like to do is just share the first couple of paragraphs of this communication that I got and and perhaps you'll see uh why sometimes it doesn't work. So and why and how subtly the mind can turn it around. So the, the communication starts out, dear, such and such. I would like to do a responsibility communication with you around the phone call on Saturday night. And, you know, there's total ownership here. I was totally off target when I was hostile with you on the phone call. I apologized for my behavior. I was in denial and projected on you. I've realized that my block of truth is linked with my default setting and my computer mind to guilt, fault, and blame. So there's a lot of responsibility there. It isn't exactly in harmony with the steps, but you know there's somebody taking a lot of responsibility and would certainly open a space for moving. And then the next line, and, and you can see how it would collapse things, the next line in the communication is, I thought our relationship was about holding a space of love. Now, the I think the average person when they heard you know, they hear somebody talking about gee, I projected and I was off target and you know, I realize it's a setting in my mind and I need to heal it, that's that's powerful responsibility. But that whole you know, that, that kind of attaboy thing is gonna be totally collapsed when someone says, I thought our relationship was about holding the space of love. In other words, that you know, for the average person, I think that line would then communicate to a person What's wrong with you? I thought you were going to hold a space of love for me. And that's going to totally come out of the responsibility place and totally shift the energy back into, look what's wrong with you. You're not holding a space of love for me. Now, if if one had the perception that you're not holding a space of love for me, that would be a perfect place to do responsibility communication. Gee, you know, yesterday when we agreed to do that responsibility communication, and I shared what was going on for me, and my perception said that you went into anger. And I realized that when you went into anger, I had a lot of sadness and betrayal come up because my perception was that you weren't holding that space of love. That would be a way to communicate responsibly about my perception and own it, but you know the subtle way that the mind can shift the words back into blame. I thought our relationship was about holding a space of love, like what's wrong with you that you're not doing that? And so it, it takes time and practice to move the tools into a place where we are consistent with that holding to that level of responsibility and not subtly shifting it around the way that it's been done for a thousand generations in our bloodline. It's It's a it's a huge transition to make to be able to use that tool that way. That's why in the workshop we suggest, and as Magda talked about, you know, create some silly scenario. I usually use the example of, you know, do responsibility communication around, you know, the dish ran away with the spoon and the cow jumped over the moon. And, you know, I'm really upset because that was my favorite spoon. And by the way, I was told, that cows could fly and so I feel like I've been lied to and I'm sad and angry about that and I want to heal my sadness and you know take something silly and off the wall and instead of waiting until real issues come up and so practice 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 I think becomes key there and it sounds like you were able to stick close enough to the tools that a really sweet intimate space opened where there was enough, enough empathy and compassion that your husband was able to open up some really deep places. That's that's the whole idea of the tool, is to open those deep places. And somebody else, does, to, to get to your second question, somebody else doesn't need to be totally aware of all the tools for them to make a suggestion. And or it can be perfectly appropriate. If I'm working with somebody who knows nothing about any of the other tools, at that step, I might say, you know, we're doing what we call a responsibility communication uh, process here. And at this step, what I would normally do is say, you know, do you have any ideas and and ask you which of the tools might be appropriate. Realizing that you haven't been involved in this work, uh, let me explain a tool that that comes with the work. It's called a forgiveness worksheet. It's called a wake-up sheet, reality management. And you know, what I'd like to do is if you would, just be the space of love and support me and I'm gonna talk my way through that as I write this, as I go through this, and, and I think that would be really powerful in support of my healing and, and it would open the space for you to understand the tools a little bit. So if somebody doesn't have to have all the tools. You can always, you know, interject a tool and explain it and utilize it that way. If somebody doesn't have that awareness and there are people, you know, we have a, a woman in uh, Springfield, Missouri, that's been doing this work for several years and she had a, uh, actually she ordered a lawnmower, a, a riding lawnmower from Sears and they delivered it in a vehicle that wasn't the right vehicle and they damaged it getting it off the vehicle. And so she communicated and they replaced it. And if I remember correctly, I think two of them were delivered and damaged when they were taken off the vehicle. And so she utilized the responsibility communication with the complaint manager at Sears, who obviously didn't know anything about what she was doing with responsibility communication. But she actually got a letter from this guy afterward thanking her for changing his life, for utilizing responsibility communication. He didn't even call it that, but for the way that she communicated and demonstrate to him a whole different way of behaving. So sometimes it can be a revelation for the person you're communicating with as well. And sometimes when you utilize responsibility communication, especially when you get to the step where you say, I have an issue, you know, I'm hurting and I'd love some support for healing my hurt, somebody might jump up and down and go, hooray, I'm glad you're hurting. That's exactly what I intended. (laughs) So I I may not get the support coming back. But I'll still benefit by doing responsibility communication and telling the truth because I'll see the world differently. I'll shift my perception, so I'll still benefit from using it, even if that other person is jumping up and down and you know, you know, doing their happy dance at your pain. <laughs> You'll still benefit by utilizing the responsibility process, because here's the key to, to the the whole thing that I see. Remember that. Perception is a construct of the mind. You know, we quote the CIA work now that that says, we do not record reality, the mind constructs reality. And the constructs that the mind does always follow the words we speak. So when I construct my, or I, I do my communication out of projection, you made me mad. In essence, what I'm saying to my mind is, mind We have some anger here, and I want you to build a whole world of pictures that proves to me that this person, this idiot standing in front of me is the cause of my anger. And my mind will hallucinate, will construct a world that looks just like that. When I shift my words to, you know, I interact with this person who yesterday I thought was an idiot, and I had a lot of rage come up, and I realized that my rage is mine, and what I'm going to do is seek support in healing my rage, When I use those words, my mind constructs a totally different world inside of me. A totally different perceptual construct occurs. And as I bring the constructs of my mind closer and closer to the truth of the actuality of what's going on in the world, the more empowered I'm going to be in living as a true human being, as that awesome, active presence of love that I'm designed to do. And the challenging part is, ultimately, I have to face and heal every rage, guilt, fear, pain, drama, and trauma that I hold within my structure and that comes from within my bloodline. The ultimate end goal of this work is to do that. Does that kind of address the uh, the issues you were bringing forward
1: yeah, I think so. I'm, the the part is reassuring um, that you can still benefit from using the tool, even if the person isn't skilled in in the work. And the more I think about it, as you were talking about that aspect, I can remember as far as how I was utilizing the tool, and as I spoke, I remember feeling like a surgeon, like like really focused on. Um, you know (sighs) utilizing the format and so when when it went off script I remember noticing getting triggered like the anger was getting triggered and then you know reminding myself that you're holding a space to love you know reset rakma kind of thing and then forging ahead and in kind of an observer way, and so what was available then is I could see at every point when it when, when it was like off script, and I was getting triggered. If you took that same um, event, you know, a year before, each of those um, points would have been. Um, a combustion where where it would have escalated, where anger would get triggered, where anger would resonate, and you go back and forth, and you get off subject, you bring in old shit, or you know whatever is, and and then I and I could realize like we got through the whole thing, and and that never once happened that we were always on topic, and it was because I was like with precision, just sticking to my agenda of we're gonna have a conversation this way. It's kind of like you were saying about throwing the paper wad into the basket. Like, you want to go the other way, but no, we're going to go this way. And it's it's like having your right hand tied up behind your back. So this is um, reassuring. I, I So I agree that, yeah, I, I guess there is that benefit regardless of what happens over there. It's all about me anyway.
2: <laughs> well, certainly whatever's happening inside of me is all about me. And when I can keep communicating in a way that I'm aware that it's about me, that's really of key importance. And and it and it empowers me, you know, Dr. Tim talked about observing. When I can step back and become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feeling, the actor apart from the action, I can start to see my life from the perspective of the lens of the active presence of love through Rachma rather than through the perceptual filters of hostility or fear, and everything begins to change. And this tool, of all the tools, is one of the trickiest to use, but one of the most empowering if people will use it with integrity and goodwill. And a lot of times people have difficulty using it with goodwill because what's at the root of their whole perceptual system in lives is terror is the the terror of not being good enough, of not being cared for, of not being loved, and ultimately of not surviving. And it takes a huge amount of willingness. You know, I, I acknowledge your husband in that case to be that vulnerable. The willingness that he must have had and the space that you must have created in order for him to be able to open that on the level where he never even admitted it to himself before. I mean, that's huge insight that happens, and that's what occurs. I kind of see this tool as it's kind of like, you know, for most people, there's a sewer down there of all this stuff that they've never dealt with and that their generations have never dealt with, and this tool becomes a, a ladder for climbing down into the sewer with the active presence of love there, and healing the layers of what's in there. And, you know, when you can open that kind of space for that kind of vulnerability and love is present, miracles happen. And, you know, the first time you use it, it might not be a tenth of a miracle. The second time, it might not be a quarter. But there'll come a point where, as you say, it's like, oh, my God, yeah, when I look back at the way it used to go, this is a miracle. And... Of all the tools, this is a tool worth practicing that does create those kinds of miracles.
1: I agree. I'm, I'm so glad that Alyssa um, was there. She she still <laughs> loves reflecting on on my process. <laughs>
2: She's still processing that with you. Well, it was really, uh, I think, very powerful and very sweet. It was cool to have you both there. And I was actually just getting ready to say it was so cool that your daughter was able to be there as part of it. So, yeah, it was uh, it was very powerful to see that opening. And, you know, for a child to see mom or dad being that vulnerable when, you know, kids, to, to kids, parents are gods and, you know, perfect and, all those dynamics so so to see to see you be vulnerable is i mean that has to be life changing for her and and who knows where ultimately that that one exchange that happened between you and your daughter as you did the practicum aspect of it uh who knows what the impact will be in her life and her world of that single experience oh, that is- with her mom
1: at the beginning of the show, you were um, speaking on those uh, few families in the West Coast who you'd work with, and um, that's where my fantasy went. I'm like, how oh, wouldn't that be cool? Lisa could be that person someday.
2: Cool. Awesome. Michael, yeah,
1: you got All right, well, a couple any- minutes here. Thank you so much. Very, very welcome. No.
2: All right. Anything else to share? Any other thoughts?
1: No,
2: I'm I'm complete. Thank you. Cool. All right. We appreciate you. Blessings. And so we're down to just the last minute or two. Is there a – well, we're down to – it just told me. We're down to a minute and a half. So I'm going to just uh, begin to close the show out and say we appreciate your participation, Michelle. Great questions. Great sharing. Uh, Bob, thank you very much. That was uh, a really nice opening in the process and to uh, the responsibility communication that we uh, we shared. We appreciate the source of that. I'll keep it anonymous. And Dr. Tim, the, uh, the opening and the sharing, uh, we just have such an amazing, amazing community of folks coming together. I'm uh, deeply appreciative. And, of course, uh, if this was meaningful to you, uh, and Monday's show, basically, it gave the whole outline of the communication process. So it's there is a freebie. You can just go to the website and uh, and hit the archive and download the MP3. Uh, if it was meaningful to you, share it with somebody, attach it to an email, send it off to them, bring a the stranger to the show tomorrow. If you're ready to take your work to the next level, we're doing a, a nine-day. And that nine-day will actually turn into a 16-day for those who want to stay longer than the nine-day. Uh, codependence to interdependence communication practicum—that exact one that uh, that Manda was speaking about—we'll start that on February 1st, uh, and it'll go through the 9th, and then it'll also go through the 16th for those who want to stay longer. And then we'll actually take one day off and go to a, uh, a 16-day laws of living. You want to take your work to the next level? Join us. In the meantime, create the best year yet ever your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings.